Don't miss the Holy Week revival this year comes early. Palm Sunday through uh, Good Friday, March 24 to 29. And I'm giving you three verses to meditate on to get ready for the Holy Week revival. I think I made a mistake early in my life. I misunderstood something the Lord said to me. And I assumed that memorization was meditation. I think memorization is part of meditation, but it's not the same. So since I got away, and I, I guess I have to say that when I, we got away in January and I prepared for the Holy Week Revival 2024, I don't think I've ever studied anything that changed me in real time like getting ready for this Holy Week Revival. And so I began meditating on these scriptures, and the way I do it is when well, I'm trying to go to sleep. It's a good time, amen? And that way, too, I'm not sure exactly how our brains work, but when we go to sleep thinking about something, we go to sleep and our mind is still hashing it over. Uh, John 15, 7, if you, and I like the New King James here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. And the reason I think it's important to meditate on a verse like this is that last phrase, and it shall be done for you. Absolute certainty. And I don't know about you, but I don't know that I've really had that cemented in my heart. The next is Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I send you, and, and here I like the King James, therefore I send you what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. And again, the reason it's important to meditate on a verse like that is the certainty of the language. And ye shall have them. And the third one, 1 John 5, 14, 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. We know that we have what we ask of him. And that last phrase, frankly, is the one that really got my attention in January. We know that we have it. In the, I think it was in the 2018 Holy Week Revival, we taught on this phrase that we would use in prayer, by faith I have it. Well, that's where it came from because we know that we have it if we're praying according to his will. Now, we, we have spent the last couple of Wednesdays talking about the defeated one, and by that, mean we, by that we mean the devil. 2 Corinthians 2.14 is the Spirit's praise of victory over satanic forces. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Now, if we, if we were to meditate on that verse, I think we'd get convicted because I think too often Christians are not spreading the fragrance of Christ leading us in triumphal procession. And uh, you have to understand, when I was a young man, I guess I was more uh, inclined to be affected by blowback. As the decades have gone by, you know, I've kind of toughened up. But 
Christians are not really known for triumphal procession. You know, they're known for being lazy on the job. They're known for, you know, not having anything. They're known for a lot of things. But I don't think that Christians, by and large, are known for walking in triumphal procession. And I've spent 40 years here at Faith Christian Center trying to change that. Because whether it's in our families or in our bodies or in our businesses or with our money, our job, our goal is to walk in triumphal procession. And that's uneven, I know. I know, you know, there are people here this evening and we're doing better on the job than maybe we are in the marriage. We're doing better in child rearing maybe than we are in money. It's uneven in all of our lives. But the point is, We need to keep at it. Like they were singing here this evening. You know, Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. So the point is to press on. And Paul writes, but thanks be to God who always, how how often? Always. Always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. The Coney Bear translation is reads this way, but thanks be to God who leads me on from place to place in the train of his triumph to celebrate his victory over the enemies of Christ. Those enemies are not men, they are demons. And by me sends forth the knowledge of him, a stream of fragrant incense throughout the world for Christ's is the fragrance which I offer up to God. Literally, it means Christ's fragrance Am I unto God? Now, this this picture, this mental picture, this image, I think sometimes, you know, we were watching uh, the other evening, the old Ben-Hur, not the new one, and the, uh, I forgot his, well, uh, Pilot, was it Pilot? Put on the winner of the the chariot race a crown. And I, I, I told Sue, this, this is where Paul got all this imagery because he, Paul wrote that they get a crown that will not last, but we get a crown that will last. And it was a, a crown woven of reeds or something. Well, the same thing here because the imagery here is a likening unto what would happen when the triumphal Roman legions would return to Rome. There was the head of the legion, and then the officers, and then the legion, and, uh, and then, and then they, would, they would pull cages with conquered foes, uh, like you would, Barnum and Bailey might have a, a cage with a lion, but they would have their conquered foes in these cages pulled by horses or other animals. And That's the imagery, the mental imagery that Paul is using here. Thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumphal procession. And so we're in this procession and he's at the head and it's not a a funeral pyre. It's, It's a triumphal procession, amen. And listen, I've lived long enough, I know that there are days it doesn't look like we're winning. But I know this, If I'll stand strong and I'll stand tall and I'll press on, amen, that I'll prevail and I'll win and I'll overcome. Amen. 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 But I know this, if I quit, I'm done. 
If I throw in the towel, I'm done. But if I can press on and believe God, amen, stay in the game and uh, believe God, well, like Fred Price used to say, one of my fathers in the faith, we play until I win. If we have to play 54 innings or 19 quarters, we play until I win. You understand? We just keep at it. Hallelujah. Because we're not in a defeat procession. We are in a triumphal procession. Now, in the face of these facts, what should be our attitude toward the adversary? That is Satan and his works. Well, you remember 1 John 3, 8, which says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And that ought to be our mission, not to join in with it, but to destroy the devil's work. So anytime you can lead somebody to Christ, anytime you can lay your hands on the sick and see them recover, anytime you can, I don't know how many times I've laid my hands on drug addicts and seen them set free and delivered. We are to be about the business of our Father, and we are to be about the business of destroying the works of the devil. Now, the problem is, sometimes it takes cooperation, and we don't get it, but we can do our part. Amen, we can do our part. So we are to take Jesus' place, and we are to act for him. I said last Wednesday that the, the challenge is Satan gets us all involved in, in all this stuff that is a distraction from the business at hand. Unmet needs, unpaid bills, pains in our body. And uh, we've dealt with this in, in weeks gone by. Give no place to the devil. And that's why we're not to let him set up shop in our business, in our work, in our labor, in our homes, in our families, in our minds, we're not to let him set up shop in our bodies because what he does is he'll stack up symptoms and he'll stack up problems and it just, it can be overwhelming. Now I realize I'm in a different place. I do. I do. But I remember my brothers and my sisters in the Lord when this church had three or four pages of accounts payable, single space. And my, the dream of my life was sinking. I saw no way to get through it. I had no idea how I was going to make it. I've been there. Or you feel like uh, somebody threw you off a cruise ship and the, the, forget the Atlantic, you feel like somebody threw you off a cruise ship in the, in the middle of the Pacific and you just don't know how you are going to make it. I've been there. I've been there. But I'm here to tell you that if we'll stand strong and if we'll stand tall and we'll get the Word of God first memorized and then we'll let, get the Word of God coming out of our mouth, and, and stand strong on the word of God, by and by, it doesn't happen overnight. I sure wish to God a lot of stuff would happen overnight. Amen. Uh, I'm, I'm believing God for stuff to happen tonight. And, and, but I, I know that sometimes it might take 
a, a, a little bit of time. Amen. But he'll get us out from under all of that. But we have to make up our minds that we're coming through and we're pressing on and we're not going to take anything else. That's just the big thing now. Don't let the devil come along with additional items. Now I'm going to get to Colossians 1, 13, 14. Use that. Colossians 2, 15. Galatians 3, 13. And I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because I got my big fat mouth saying it. Why it is easier to stop him dead in his tracks on a brand new thing than it is to get rid of an old thing I'm not quite sure I understand that yet. Maybe it's because that's what I'm saying. I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. Amen. Because I'm not done yet. I'm going to figure it out. Amen. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out, and then I'm going to kick his ass. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. Amen. amen. And then, amen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there. I'm going to get there because I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. Can you, are you hearing me? But what I'm saying is, when he comes along with some new thing, whatever it is, some new deal, you stop him. Don't let him add to your troubles. I said, do not let him add to your troubles. And uh, it's a funny thing. But since I got onto this months ago, and I have employed Colossians 2.15 combined with Galatians 3.13, he has not successfully added one more thing to my prayer list. And then we'll get to Colossians 1.13.14, which also works great with those other two. My point is, we're not to accept the devil's works. We're not to uh, find people to commiserate with us about the devil's works. Tell your neighbor, sympathy's a killer. killer. Now we are to destroy the devil's works and run him out. Amen, because he is a defeated foe. He He only has the place we give him. That's why Paul said, neither give place to the devil. So Jesus was a destroyer of the works of the adversary and we should follow in his footsteps. Now, Paul, though a prisoner in Rome, said, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. That's in Ephesians 3.1. Now, he was not a prisoner of circumstances, nor of men, nor of government. They might have held him in captivity, but he knew that if it was the Father's will for him to be set free, he would have been set free like he was in Philippi. Now, Most of us are never going to experience anything like this because, frankly, uh, there's nobody here important enough. (laughs) But we're going to get to it Sunday. The conversion of Saul and the healing of blindness. And we're going to see it Sunday because the Lord of the church, Jesus Christ himself, said, that I'm going to show him, Saul, what he must suffer on my behalf. Because he had, he had hunted men down and put them to death because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, these 
our concepts higher than where you and I are. And these are things having to do with levels of God's plan that wouldn't involve the likes of you or me. But we can understand them from the word of God. We'll get into this Sunday. The point is that everywhere he went, he was a witness. And everywhere he went, he preached. And there's an element to all of this we don't get into often. But here it is. We are not our own, but we have been bought with a price. And the fact of the matter is that when he was loose and when he was traveling and when he was preaching, he did not write. But when he was in prison, he would preach to the jailers, he would preach to those that would, he could come in contact with, but he wrote letters and he wrote half the New Testament. This was the plan of God. See, nothing like that is ever going to happen to you or me because we're not that important. My point is, we had a guest speaker said that, he didn't say it here, but he said it somewhere else. He said, and that's why he's not a guest speaker here anymore. He said, uh, he said if Paul had had more faith, he wouldn't have been beheaded. <laughs> this is just ignorance and stupidity on steroids gone to seed. He had to pay for what he had done to Stephen. But in the meantime, God used him. Hallelujah. And he was important enough that he rebuked the apostle Peter and got away with it. So his light burned brightly for a season and then it came to an end. But he's got that martyr's crown. That's the hardest one to get. Now, I'm not believing for that one, but he's got it. Amen. My point is, that's why he called himself in Ephesians 3.1, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. See, this is, a, this is an attitude, man. This is a, this is a mindset. It, it is the opposite of what is everywhere in our culture today, and that is victimology. You see what I'm saying? In other words, poor old me. The devil's doing this, and uh, the government's doing that, and uh, so-and-so's doing this. This is the opposite of that. that, that and we're going to get into the will of God. That I can come into a place where I know that I know that I know that I'm in the will of God, and, and that just is a place of peace. You know, we had a city council person oppose us, every step of the way on this project and oppose us on the gas well and oppose us on everything. And I don't even want to tell you places where my mind went, but I just stayed focused and I knew what the will of God was 
And, uh, and it was just amazing. The Lord led us to a person who helped us and another per then that person to another person who helped us and dealt with those people. And, and we got everything we wanted and we got it the way we wanted. And it, and it all went, I mean, this person was so despicable. They said that if we would put a gas well next to a playground, they'd vote for it. I mean, this is a demon out of hell type mentality. But I'm saying, we have to understand that we are being led in triumphal procession. And there might be a barking dog here, and there might be a demon out of hell there, and there might be somebody oppose us along the way, but none of that negates the fact that we are being led in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus. And if we'll stand strong, and if we'll stand tall, we will prevail, and there ain't nothing the devil can do about it. Amen. The Bible says, Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? <laughs> Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to say his take on that was, if God is for us, it really doesn't matter who's against us. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Lift both hands, say, thank you, Father God. You always lead us in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And the revelation that God gave the Apostle Paul finally destroyed the Roman Empire. It destroys everything that opposes the will and the mind of the Father where it is unveiled and where men and women understand it and where believers enter into its fullness they become masters. So what should be our attitude today? Should we cowardly yield to the forces of darkness and just accept everything the devil rolls out? No. Should we submit to satanic domination? Or should we, in the name of Jesus, rise up and take our place as the sons and the daughters of God Almighty? Colossians 1.12 Coney Bear translation says, giving thanks to the Father who has fitted us, fitted us to share, it, share the portion of the inheritance of the saints of light. He has fitted us. He has made us able to enjoy our rights in Christ. The next verses in the NIV, for he has rescued us. What tense is that? For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he has rescued us. But we have to rise up. We have to stand. We have to take our place. We've got to rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. We've got to remind him that he is a defeated foe. We have within us the ability of God. We have the wisdom of God. God is the strength of our life. So what more could we ask for? See, our problem is not that we need God to do more for us. We just have to walk in what he has already done for us. Can't you see what this means as a background for a prayer life? Can't you hear the spirit whispering? And this is from Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Say it out loud. I'm more than a conqueror, I'm more than a conqueror. through him who loved me, who loved 
Say it again. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, the devil throws something at us. We overcome it. The devil throws something else at us. We overcome it. We don't submit to it. I said we don't submit to it. So real prayer is inspired by the Spirit, backed up by the living Word. So it should be a sharing with Him. You know, I'm always keeping in mind Isaiah. I forgot the reference. I didn't bring it with me this evening. And that is that we put Him in remembrance. He says, put me in remembrance. Colossians 3, 3, 1, Coney Bear says, if ye then, if then ye are partakers of Christ's resurrection... Way translates it, if then you have shared in Messiah's resurrection. We have become not only partakers, but we have been sharers. We have, become, we have been made sharers in the resurrection ability of God. Say it out loud. I have been made a sharer, made a sharer in, in the resurrection ability, the resurrection ability of, God. of God. I mean, think about how all the powers and forces of hell were arrayed against the resurrection of Christ on that Sunday morning. But it didn't make any difference. I said it didn't make any difference. It made no difference whatsoever. (laughs) See, we, we get focused on what's going on. We get focused on what the devil's doing. We need to be focused on what God has done for us. We have become not only partakers, but sharers in the resurrection ability of God. Now he is asking us to share with him in giving the world the message that will deliver those in bondage from the captivity of Satan. You know, uh, Sue's got a message playing in her Escalade. It's uh, from 1994 Winter Bible Seminar. Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord 2003, and man, he's on a terror. He's talking about the signs of the end times. And he's talking about how, how terrible it was. And, you know, Sue's laughing and saying, that was 1994. That was 30 years ago. He had no idea what was coming. <laughs> signs of the times. And people, they're bound. I mean, think about it. People are bound in ways that we could not have even comprehended 30 years ago. People are bound by demon spirits today that nobody even knew about 30 years ago. It's amazing what has gone on. But we're coming to the end. We're, We're coming toward the consummation of the ages. So he's calling on us to become intercessors, prayers, burden bearers in this world of darkness and fear and to lead people to the light to tell them about Jesus. That's why I'm challenging you. I'm talking to you and he's he's talking to me and he's saying it won't be long now. See, we must work while it's day for the night is coming when no man can work. See, once, once he comes for us, there'll be no more money to give. Once he comes for us, there'll be be no way to talk to somebody about Jesus. Once he comes for us, there'll be nobody to lay hands on to get them set free from drugs. 
Once he comes, then, then the work is done. So we must work while it's day. We have an opportunity. We have a window. Now, I know that Peter and Paul and all of them back then 2,000 years ago, they expected the, the Lord to return in their lifetime. It's obvious from what they wrote. But it should be obvious to us that we're 2,000 years closer to his coming, his coming for the church than they were. Amen. And one thing we have, I know, that they did not have, and that is 1948, Israel was gathered back to its land and Jesus said the generation that witnesses the return of God's people to Israel would not pass before his return. What's a generation? Can't be more than 80 years. Can it? 1948? We're not that far. We got to get busy. You know, I've been walking with him a while now. And in my entire life, he's never told me to hurry. Until just a few months ago on phase two, he said, hurry. So I don't know what that means, but he never told me to hurry before. Not in my entire life. Hallelujah. So I'm going to hurry. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why I need y'all to double. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So we can get on with it. Amen. Amen. We need to walk in what he's done for us. We need to quit playing footsies with the devil. Stop drinking. Stop pouring. Stop all this nonsense and walk with God. Amen. Amen. Now let's talk about the will of God. If we could get into the will of the Father, we would be stepping into the channel, the current of his dream for the age. Most of you probably have never gone swimming in a river. My Aunt Inez, my favorite aunt, she'd take, take me swimming with her boys. <laughs> and I was a city boy from Detroit. And I'd, I'd, I like going to Tennessee twice a year. My, my pa parents called that a vacation and I never did that to my children. But, uh, you know, but I did like my Aunt Inez. And uh, I remember being in the river and Inez calling out to me so calmly, Hey, Gene. Yes, ma'am. Uh, you better look behind you and get away from those water moccasins. You know, just as calm as calm could be. But I do remember this about a river, that when you first get in the, the shallow part, the water's not going anywhere. But you get down in there, and it's moving. My best friend from junior high school was named Dave, and his father had been an orphan who had been adopted by a dentist, and the dentist had retired, and they were living on an island up in the Detroit River, north of Detroit. You have to understand, north of Detroit, it's cleaner. Harsons Island. And I remember going up there with him once 
And kids do the dumbest things. But we, were, we swam from the dock. We swam way out into that river. And when I say river, it's not like one of these little spittoon things we got in Texas. I mean, I'm talking about on the other side's Canada, and it must be a mile or two away. I mean, a river. And uh, I remember we, we swam out there. Kids, the stupid things kids do. So the game we played was swim as far as you can, see who can swim furthest, and then swim back to the dock. And so we did this. Well, along comes a tanker. And uh, I got caught in the wake. And I was, uh, I was already out about to, to my limit, and I got caught in the wake. You got the river, and then you got the wake of this tanker going by. And I remember it took all of my effort plus another 20%. And I don't even know if God helped me or not, but I'm standing here tonight, so apparently he did. My point is, rivers have currents. And I don't know about you, but I would like to get Faith Christian Center in the middle of the river before he comes. Amen. It's a river. The will of God is a river. He told me, remember he told me years ago, about three years back, four years back, he said, you think you're walking in covenant with God, but you're just gleaning around the edges of God's field. I don't know about you, but I'd like to get right smack dab in the middle of the river of God's will. And frankly, I'd like to get there and park there until he comes for his church. Amen. I mean, it's nice to get your feet wet. There's a time for that. Sit by the, sit by the water, take your socks and shoes off, stick your feet in there. That's, that's, there's a place for that. But I'm ready to get out in the middle of it and get in the middle of his will and stay there. You know it'd be more than this. I mean, this is great. It's fine. <laughs> but it, I'd like that. They talk about that revival in that happened years ago in Pensacola. Nothing unusual, nothing special. And the pastor, I think the story was, in the middle of a sermon or maybe during the worship service, he stepped down off the stage and it was like he stepped into a river and God was there. And that revival lasted for years. I'd like that. Amen? Amen. I said I'd like that. And I don't know of a better environment than right here at Faith Christian Center. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. The will of God. Let us not continue dabbling around the edges of the will of God. Let us get smack dab in the middle of the will of God and see what God will do. See, that current would carry us on into a realm of victory and usefulness that we've not ever known before. Someone once said, if we only knew where he was working, we could tie up with him. Another one said, when praying, Lord, lift us out of this little mill pond where we are swimming around, out into the current of your will for us now. We need to see it. His will was, unveil 
his will was unveiled in Jesus. Jesus was his will. Four times in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I came to do the Father's will. I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. John, vari variations of that. John 4.34, 5.19, and 6.38. So the question always is, can we know the Father's will? We may know it if we know the Master. Paul writing to the Ephesian church said, this is Ephesians 5.17, the New American Bible. Therefore, do not continue in ignorance, but try to understand what the will of what is the will of the Lord. A lot of people are blissfully ignorant, they call it. I, I don't see ignorance as blissful. Amen. Uh, ignorance is deadly. And, and just in, in the last few years, ignorance has gotten more deadly. You know, they say what you don't know won't hurt you. Whoever said that was a, a liar out of hell. What you don't know can absolutely hurt you. So we're not to be ignorant of the will of God. The word is his will written for us. But I don't know about you. I've spent uh, 50 years studying this. And I tell Sue, we, we, I probably feel like I know about 1% of it. It's, there's a lot there. Amen. And I never cease to be amazed at how God will give me brand new revelation. And I'm shocked like I'd never read it before, but I have. Everything that helps men toward knowing Jesus better is the will of the Father. Of course, we go to Romans 12, 1 and 2 on the will of God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So we have to do something with our body. Tell your neighbor, we've got to do something with our body. You know why you have to do something with your body? Because your body's not saved. Your spirit, man, on the inside of you is the part of you that was born again. But your, your body was not born again. So we have to do something with the body. Then he says, he continues on in verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I read, I, I read just the other day that churches are now doing Taylor Swift Bible studies. I mean, what the H-E-L-L are churches doing? I mean, my goodness. My goodness, my good. You know, my daughter is, is so astute. She pointed out, that in the Super Bowl, one of her posse had an upside-down cross on a chain. An upside-down cross is a satanic symbol. But you got goofball pastors doing Taylor Swift Bible studies, and what does that even mean? You know, uh, study trans, abortion, whatever. I don't even know what that means. When one of her posse is wearing an upside-down cross. Listen. We need to wake up. Amen. And just because something is cool doesn't mean we ought to be doing it. Amen. Just because the world's doing something doesn't mean we ought to be doing it. Amen. You know, just because something is famous doesn't mean we ought to be doing it. Amen. Just because something is popular doesn't mean we ought to be doing it. Do not conform any longer. These, these preachers they haven't even read a Bible. I wonder if they even own a Bible. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And let me tell you what, the pattern of the world's changing all the time. When God called me in that dorm room in 1973 at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, <laughs> if an angel of God 
had showed up in the room and said, you are called to the last generation and you will live to see with your eyeballs it be popular for men to castrate themselves. I would have thought, get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot be from God. You've got to be some kind of satanic whatever. But I've lived to see it. I've lived to see and, and And the most popular guy running for president of the United States is pro ball cutter offer. <laughs> I mean, I have lived so long. I mean, it is astounding what the culture has come to. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. This world is going to hell in a handbasket. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. And the pattern of this world is changing all the time. It's amazing to me, but, you know, the left devours their own. And so they, they'll devour one of their own for making some comment. I mean, weeks ago, that was a darling of the left. Now they get devoured because they say something that's just two degrees off of the, the latest whatever, madness, the latest insanity. Do not conform any longer. Let me tell you what, here's a warning. By the Spirit of God, the consummation of the ages is upon us and people are still playing their games. They're still doing, they're still going to, you know, happy hour. They're still, uh, you know, committing sex sins. They're still doing what they're doing. The consummation of the ages is upon you. The coming of Christ is nigh. We're not that far from it. I don't know how many days or weeks or months or short years, but we're not that far from it. These are not the day people, but it's like the days of Noah. It's like the days of Noah. They're eating and drinking and carrying on like they got, you know, 100,000 more years to live. They don't. They don't. They don't. But God himself shut the door of that ark and the rain came down and the earth broke apart and the floods came up and they, they cried out to be saved. But it was too late. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We change our lives by changing our minds. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody shout then. Then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You'll know the will of God, but you gotta, you gotta renew your mind. A literal trans translation would be, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual ministry. And be not fashioned according to this age, but be transfigured by the renewing of your mind, 
that ye may approve what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. It is the renewed mind that gets to know the will of the Father. Say it out loud. It is the renewed mind that gets to know the will of the Father. When we are recreated, he gives us his nature. Then by his word, if we'll work together with him, he renews our minds. And then his nature and our renewed minds walk in harmony with our recreated spirits. As we fellowship in and with the word, live in it. Let the word abide in us. Remember, we started out with John 15, 7. Let the word abide in us. We get to know the will of the Father. We get to know the acceptable will of the Father. Then as we go on, we get to know his perfect will. <laughs> Hallelujah. We will dive into it with an abandonment that will thrill heaven. I believe it. I believe these are the days. The Spirit of God is speaking to me. He's saying, I don't have that many. So he's saying, the ones that will work with me will be astounded. Well, here it is, straight out of the pipeline. I do not have that many that will work with me in renewing the mind and walking according to my will for this last and final generation. So those who will renew their minds and those who will walk according to the word, I will be able to bless them beyond their dreams, their visions, their imaginations because there are so few that are willing and ready and prepared to be used by me. So I will use them. I will use them mightily. I will use them in a way that will astound not only others, but I will use them in a way that will astound them themselves. And they will be glad. And they will shout. And they will lift their hands and they will rejoice. And they will say amongst themselves, we could not do these things. We were not capable of these things. We could not have accomplished these things. These are the works of God. These are not the works of man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let us join together and let us avail ourselves of the word and the will of God. Let us stand strong. Let us stand tall. And let us be used by God in these, our final days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.